Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast is sad to present a minute's silence for the absence of the Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra. Are we done yet? Yeah, that's probably a more than they deserve, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, a sad oh, kazoo. A They're sad not dead. Kazoo. They're not dead. They're just resting. We've put them into sort of stasis for, for a little while. They'll be back for the last episode. But anyway, folks, uh, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to a bonus episode of our Loki Spoiler Specials. Uh, so we were slightly slightly short of time, <laughs> ironic given the, the very nature of the show we're discussing uh, when we were discussing episode five the other day, so we didn't get to any of your questions, any listener questions. So I promised foolishly without consulting with my two colleagues of such lethal cunning here, whether we'd be able to come back and uh, and do a bonus episode. And luckily, locally, lo and behold, here are our two local heroes, local heroes, <laughs> Helen O'Hara's here. I'm not even local. Hello. You're local to wherever you are. I mean, that's one of those definitions that kind of completely undermines like, the existence of the word, though, doesn't it? You're like Paul Young. Wherever you lay your flowery bottle of water, that's your home. That's my home. That's, that's true. That's your home. Helen is still in Cannes. I not am, in yes. a can. That would be terrible. Uh, I mean, but practically, not, no. It, but, would be, yeah. it, would be, it would be impractical at best. Uh, and neither in Cannes nor in a can is Ben Travis. Hello. No, I'm not in Cannes. I'm still at my house. Because that's yes, how uh, all of this is worth it's a lovely for a year house. and a half. It's a lovely house, Ben. Anyway, enough small talk, Ben. Uh, enough small talk. Shut up, Ben. Uh, <laughs> so let's get straight to the questions. We don't have a lot of time that was today. Mean. There is a, a Nexus <laughs> event and a... <laughs> <laughs> apocalyptic event is encroaching upon us, so uh, we don't have a lot of time, so let's get straight to it. James Dyer isn't here. Anyway, let's have some questions. I'm going to take these in a ramshackle, first-come, first-seen order. So the first ones I see, all right? So okay. here we go. At St. Wright, does classic Loki's cape start to go to pieces before the beast gets to him, which maybe indicates it's an illusion? Feeding into my he's evil theory, which I'm not sure even I hold with, but you know. No, you um, wavered on it even as you said it. Even as I said it, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, look, I quite enjoy coming up with theories, but I also tend not to be dogmatic about them because then that spoils my enjoyment of whatever actually happens. So coming up with theories, great. You know, getting invested in theories, life is too short. So. Anyway, mm, my point being, yes. I hadn't noticed that because I watched it on a tiny screen. Um, it could be that, or it could be the fact that it was just, you know, the, the, the effects do reach beyond its immediate vicinity. You know, we've, we've seen mm. a lot of things in Marvel where you begin to disintegrate before the thing actually touches you because it's yes. just got so much power around it. So much power. Uh, but, but fundamentally, do we think that Reg, do we think Richard E. Grant is one and done? I mean, I in not. the credits at the end, it was like a very special guest appearance by Richard E. Grant. He got a little bit of words above his name, which made me wonder whether it could be a one-off or a sort of, maybe if he does pop up at some point next week somehow, um, it could be a, a two and done from him. I think it's interesting that we have a character, obviously Loki's always survived, they have a knack for surviving death, and he is the variant who is literally like, I can create illusions so powerful that like, anyone is going to believe them. So maybe he is also off to the side somewhere doing this, casting a projection of himself doing this, <laughs> and yes. that projection is casting its own projection because that's how damn powerful he is. Wow. Um, maybe he's in a cafe right now in the void demanding fine wine and cake. The finest wine's known to humanity, isn't it? I'm terrible with my with-nail quotes. Anyway, <laughs> that's awful. Close enough. 
close enough. <laughs> right. Get them back in the van! Uh, at Blood and Beers asks, Prime Loki's moral redemption. Sorry, I think we just established that is our Loki, hero Loki. Uh, Prime Loki's moral redemption. Oh, it's the other Loki he's talking about. Okay, uh, too many fucking Lokis. Prime Loki's moral redemption felt earned after the events of Ragnarok and the start of Infinity War, where Loki was confronted by the consequences of his actions. But the Loki in the show has completely changed from the megalomaniac of the first Avengers film just by basically watching a previously in the MCU catch-up video at the TVA. It just doesn't feel earned enough to me. What does the pod team feel about this? Helen immediately jumped at the bit. Yeah, I kind of disagree, I think. I think there's something... He he wasn't just showing a highlights reel. He was showing, uh, this is what is coming for you because you act like you do. Your mum's going to die. That's like a whammy right there. Oh, and by the way, you're also going to die. And so is your entire planet and civilization. Like All of those things are basically quite traumatic and would make you stop in your tracks and think, hey, maybe I am on the wrong road here. Uh, But I think that's not the only thing that has changed him in this show. I think it has Mm -hmm. also been his conversations with Mobius. I think it's also been his conversations with Sylvie. I think there is a lot of different things that we've seen acting on him and, and, you know, causing him to reconsider. I don't think it's just that one moment. I'm with Helen. I, I think he's seen things, he's been through things, and I, I fully buy why this character is the way he is now. I that I don't really bump up against that, and I haven't. I think they did such a good job in that first episode of playing out not just hey we've we've done A, so now B is like not it's not just oh we've shown him this reel, so now he's going to be good. Like we we sat with the effects of that and saw how that changed him, and then followed that through with several more episodes like Helen said talking with Sylvie I think is a big thing and knowing mm. kind of even mm-hmm. just his experience of seeing that the TVA seemingly exists and is kind of um, I think his perceptions of how big things can go and how powerless he actually is also plays a part in that because mm. I think he in the past has seen himself as somebody who should rule because he sees himself as very, very powerful. And now I think he's also got a sense of, oh no, everything is so, so much bigger than I am. Um, And maybe uh, I'm not cracked up to rule everyone in the way that he maybe thought. I think self-awareness plays a huge part in this uh, as well. And that he's been shown not just the catch-up video at the TVA, He's been shown the consequences of his actions and he's been shown what a what an unrepenting, unrelenting dick he has been for millennia. But he is constantly being exposed to other Lokis. I and mean, there's a really interesting moment. It's one of the few moments, I think, in the entire show, actually, where we get to see him on his own without anyone else. There's there's a definitely a moment in the uh, in the first episode where he's mm-hmm. watching the uh, the catch-up in the time theater. But there's a moment when he's climbing out of the uh, the bowling alley <laughs> lair thing that they have and having seen all the other Lokis and disagree with him and done his big grandstanding come on let's go speech and they're all laughing at him and he calls them monsters and he he's he's whispering to himself and I think he means it he genuinely is appalled by his own behaviour you Mm. could argue it's a little quick I would also argue that it's a little quick in Ragnarok because in Ragnarok he is you know he's on Asgard as the ruler of Asgard Thor turns up and within you know he's exposed obviously to the death of his father, which is a big thing for him as well. But then he buggers off to Sakaar and you could argue about his motivations for coming back and helping Thor out at the end. You know, certainly there's, there's a there's a real moment of reproachment between the two of them uh, at the end. 
But uh, yeah, I would argue that that turn is just as quick as anything in Loki. And Loki oh, is least, really yeah. forensically trying to get at, it, get at it, going, okay, why is this guy acting the way he acts now? And why is he turning his back on nature the way he's been since since day one, essentially? So yeah, I, you know, I, I, I can see that some people might think it might be too quick, but for me, it kind of works. Hmm. At Mr. Pure Ince asks, is it clear whether Minutemen in the TVA know that pruning does not equal death? Could the members that Sylvie pruned just come back to HQ the same way that Mobius did via the time pad? Uh, well, this was me asking me why we don't have a big, you know, crowd of people there at the end of time around them. And I think we have to conclude that all these lesser beings without a Loki's gift for survival have perhaps been eaten by the big storm, or at least most of them. I think that was one of my quibbles with this episode uh, a bit as well, much as I really enjoyed it, that yes, you can say there are exceptional circumstances because many of our characters are Lokis, but this sort of unsurvivable arse end of time of the galaxy, uh, the fact that many of our central characters are sent there and just are okay and just managed to escape Elioth. It's sort of, you just have to go with it. Like, they can't tell the story if they don't survive, but at the same time, the fact that even much as I love him, and uh, I think he's a great guy and is very smart, the fact that, like, Mobius survived and found a car and is driving it around, <laughs> you just have to go with that a bit. Um, but presumably everyone else who has been sent there has immediately been chomped up by Elioth. Because mm, we were speculating in the last week's show that, you know, Mobius might mobilize an army of himself uh, and come back and take the TVA by storm. It hasn't done that. Uh, were you slightly disappointed we didn't get to see Mobius wake up in the in the void and, and figure that out? Because I, I just watched that guy do laundry, mm. quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I just just like a Mobius spin-off show, which is just Mobius just hanging out, having coffee, just, just having a salad, out. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely salad. Lovely salad. Um, oh, God, what am I saying? Uh, at Tim from <laughs> Who Wales. Are you? I know, I'm a variant, clearly. Uh, at Tim from Wales asks, what if Loki's glorious purpose is to sacrifice himself? Yeah. I mean, that was sort of a classic Loki's thing, seemingly, in this as well, wasn't it? That he found glorious purpose in in apparently casting this enchantment and sacrificing himself to, to help the other Lokis get to the big old Laputa castle in the sky. So I, I wonder if they would repeat that beat twice in two episodes. And I do think a lot of this, I, I don't think this is going to be the last we see of Hiddleston. They've done such a good, good job of bringing him back and creating a slightly different, but also very likable variant of Loki. The version that he is playing now has those heroic qualities and could very mm. easily slot into future adventures. Um, I definitely want Sylvie on the board as well. So I'm hoping there's not going to be too much in the way of sacrifice next week because I like all of these characters who are effectively all the same character and I want them all to survive. <laughs> Here's a question from at James underscore Simpson 94. Which Loki variant would you and the team most like to see a spin-off special about? I need to know more about the alligator. Is there an alligator version of all the Avengers in that timeline? <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Did you guys see the cartoon that's going on um, around online with uh, you know, a drawing of Odin going sun 
I have something yes. to tell you. You're adopted. And alligator Loki going, what? <laughs> Comprehensible alligator noises. Confused alligator noises. <laughs> yeah, confused alligator noises. That's it. Yes. I also love the, uh, we, we put it in both our stories, Helen, the, uh, mm. uh, the artist whose name escapes me. I'll look it up while, whilst you're talking. But uh, who did that lovely Luca-inspired version of Loki with uh, Sylvie and Loki and Mobius riding the jet ski. And riding I really desperately, desperately want to see that. And I, I don't have a lot of walls space left now uh but yeah if that artist ever wanted to put that up as a print then i would not say no lyle underscore style that's him lyle underscore style if you want to take a look at that mm-hmm. uh yes question yes so which 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 loki variant would you like to see a spinoff about i mean obviously obviously uh classic loki original loki reg loki um, because Richard E. Grant equals always the right answer. Alligator Loki, for sure, absolutely, with David Attenborough narrating and providing his internal monologue. Boastful Loki could be quite fun, just him telling stories about what he's done. Yeah, basically, more Lokis. I don't mind which. I really want to see Alligator Hulk whacking around Alligator Loki a la the end of <laughs> Avengers. I need to see that. Somebody do that, please. Yeah. What colour would Alligator Hulk be? Would he be flesh-coloured? Would he have little purple markings on mm. his back legs? <laughs> would he have a tail? I guess he would, wouldn't he? That'd be cool. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, I would go for Tour de France Loki. Because oh, I want to yes. see that. Yeah. I want to yeah. see him at the head of the peloton then being whacked by some spectator with a giant with sign. A sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Lokis are doing to fail ultimately. Or I want to see him en- enchanting his blood tests so he can get through it. <laughs> Topical there. If it, well, if it worked for Redacted, I'm sure it'll work for Beep. <laughs> anyway, at Sam underscore Levy underscore one asks, since Kid Loki and Alligator Loki presumably got away at the end of the episode, do you reckon they'll make a triumphant return next week to bail our heroes out of a jam? Yes. Or at least I think Kid Loki will probably return. If Alligator Loki saves the day, I'm going to cheer very, very loudly in my living room, out loud. Right, on Mobius's shoulder, Mobius is on the jet ski. Yes, Mobius on a jet ski, holding Alligator Loki out in front of him, and Alligator Loki's going to be chomping whoever is in that castle. <laughs> Amazing. Arms, hands, legs, whatever limbs he wants to chomp off, he's welcome to. At legend underscore Mark 2 asks, what do you think of the lack of frost giant Lokis? Surely of all the Loki variants, some would not have been taken by Asgard uh, or would have thrown it off to embrace their frost giant form. Do you think the show is not interested in Loki's frost giant side? Yes. The last yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting because this show has dealt in so, so many aspects of who Loki is and why Loki is and, and when Loki is and all of these questions. But the thing that it hasn't dealt with, which was very clearly a part of the first Thor film, is that Loki, yeah, is a frost giant and has frost giant DNA or however that works magic frustratingness happening but it's weird that they've never not done anything about that or mentioned mm-hmm. it in any way considering how deep they've gone on basically every other aspect of his character well the thing is i mean somebody pointed out on twitter and i'm sorry i forget who it was and it was weeks ago um said <laughs> well hang on if there's no magic in the tva shouldn't loki's frost giant roots have come out like shouldn't he have ceased to look human and started to look blue and i said well i don't think it's magic that's making him look human i think it's something else weirdly but i don't know what it exactly is but it feels like it's not a conscious spell or anything that he does it's just that's how he looks so 
Mind you, but that is a fair point. Like, you know, shouldn't there be more frost giantiness going on? And and what is it that makes him look human if not magic? That's a very good point, isn't it? That's a very good point. It wasn't. It wasn't on Twitter. It was one of my actual in real life friends on oh, WhatsApp. Oh, it's easy I to get them realized. confused, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think the answer is it's not conscious magic. It's certainly not his conscious magic, is it? Because if it was, he would have known about it. It feels like an enchantment that Odin placed on him when he took him. Maybe. In. But then wouldn't that have been affected by the TVA? Possibly. Possibly. But Odin is a powerful, powerful person. Or but was. He's dead. Well, I or suppose is. he's alive in this timeline. Technically speaking, wouldn't he still be. He'd yeah, still be still, alive. Yeah. yeah but where's okay. the TVA? We don't know the TVA could exist at True. all points of time. So True. Odin is alive and dead. He's Schrodinger's Odin. <laughs> Schroden, <laughs> Oh Lord, um, aren't you glad we did a bonus episode? Uh, at Red Flost, Red Flost asks: Is this episode implying the classic Loki, as played by Reg, is our original Loki who dies in Infinity War, or do you think that's a possibility? Or do you no. think it's the original version of Loki wading through the wormhole and centuries spent alone that made him go all evil? So at the end, they get to the the castle and the scars, and it's Infinity War Loki. But the problem with thinking that way is that it doesn't account for alligator Loki in the slightest. Like, you, you can't try and figure out from the MCU timeline where all these variants came from because they just can't have come from the MCU timeline. I think we have to accept that. Or certainly not the MCU reality then, whichever you prefer. I think the uh, classic Loki has always existed in a parallel reality that happened to go through many of the same events that mm. we have seen. So... Yeah, he went through all of the Thanos stuff, but it wasn't our Loki. It, that was all happening in another timeline uh, somewhere where he was wearing that funky costume the whole time. Because um, I also don't think, even though even if he was in a very, very weird place and extremely isolated, he would go from wearing his sort of normal-ish Loki clothes that we've seen him wearing in the MCU so far and at some point just being like, I'm going to dress up in Kermit the Frog's Frog cosplay and switch up this horn design i don't think he would do that so i think he's always worn that costume that we see him in um or a sort of version of that costume presumably he washes it uh, when he can but yeah he's existed in a parallel timeline that also saw thanos Mm -hmm. go nuts and try and Mm, get all the stones we have to reckon that there are 14 million 605 timelines right that's as that's as many as dr strange saw so you have to assume that each each version of the timeline he saw was a different branch of the timeline, right? So there's no more than 14 million. So it's, oh, you know, there's 14 million follow. Lokis knocking around. How does it not follow? It doesn't follow that he saw every single reality. It feels it's, to me he, like he, no, he, he, they, he... They stopped him after a while and he'd only seen one scenario that they where they won, so he went with that scenario. But it doesn't mean that he had just finished. Just do it again. Go, go, go back in. It, it felt to me that he had seen every single... He had, he had exhausted all the possibilities. I, but also, I, I think there is a difference potentially between multiverse and timelines, which I've tried to get into in the show before, and I get confused myself. But I do think there's a difference between... <laughs> What what Doctor Strange might have looked at is fourteen million six hundred whatever branching realities from the point where they were, depending on differing choices that everybody made at every possible scenario, right? But from that starting point of that moment, because there's no point in looking at the worlds where everyone is an alligator, because that's just not going to help him figure out what to do in the next few minutes. So mm-hmm. he has to look at 
uh, timelines branching from the set starting point of where he is. Whereas multiverses could have branched off hundreds of thousands of millions of years before. Mm -hmm. So okay. they have nothing to do with timelines. All right. Okay. Potentially. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, at Dan Jacobs 92 says, have you heard of the theory that the Nexus event between Sylvie and Loki was actually the probability of them dying on Lamentus 1 rather than the self-love we were led to believe? It might suggest that now as a famous duo, their enchanting of the dog cloud and everything coming after is part of the sacred timeline. Might it? How? I don't agree with that. I hadn't heard that theory and I don't agree with it because no. the whole point of them hiding inside an apocalypse is that nothing they did would affect mm. the timeline and nothing would show up as a nexus event. And it, I don't think it's just, it's, it's not a coincidence that the, uh, they show up on the TVA's radar the second they touch. Yeah, I think so too. Because what they what they were about to do is wrong and immoral and unjust in the eyes of the Lord, and uh, he wanted them back to TVA for a quick smiting. Great. Okay. I mean, we haven't seen the timeline in a while. That's the other thing. We haven't seen... Obviously, we haven't really gone back to that whole thing of Sylvie bombing various parts of the timeline and all those branches coming off, but we haven't seen even within the TVA, I guess, because we haven't been in the TVA as much mm. and looking at that technology, we haven't seen what the status of the timeline is at the moment. And I, I'm hoping for a bit more clarity on that as we move forward, because obviously yeah. the action of the show has gone elsewhere, but I'm kind of a bit wishy-washy at this point over whether things are still diverging massively from what the timekeepers or whoever is in charge of the TVA is wanting. Um, but presumably we'll find that out when we meet whoever that is. The, the, question, the, the question here seems to be the same one that they ask at the very end of Good Omens, book more than TV show, but there's a bit of it in the TV show as well. So, that, you know, the idea in the TV show is that there is this great plan that God has, that there will be a clash in the end times after the Antichrist is born between the forces of good and evil who will battle it out for, you know, the control of the universe. And then one of our heroes asks, wait, is that the ineffable plan? And, you know, the powers that be are like, a bit like, wait, um, I mean, it's the same thing, right? There's pro and then, well, no, not necessarily. It's not necessarily the same thing. The ineffable plan is the one that only God knows. So we don't know the ineffable plan. So we don't know that this isn't written elsewhere in bigger letters underlined saying this is the way things are meant to be, actually. And we're not meant to destroy the world and we're not meant to have the end of days. This is actually, we're all meant to go home and have a nice cup of tea. Mm -hmm. My point being, it's something similar. It seems to be the question here. You know, if is Sylvie and Loki, let's say, taking down the TVA, let's say, part of some ineffable plan that is written elsewhere in bigger letters that the timekeepers have no knowledge of? I know who's in the castle. It's Kevin oh. Feige saying, this is all meant to happen. <laughs> this is all part of the plan. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> it may well be. To quote Battlestar Galactica, this has all happened before, right? <laughs> and it will all and, happen again. And Peter Pan. And Peter Pan. Who knew? And the Matrix. Hey. Oh my God, it better not be the fucking architect. If they get, <laughs> if they get to the castle and it's some bloke, yeah, kick him into the void. Kick him in the void. Kick him right up the void. That's what I would do. Anyway, at K McNulty Mick asks, is there any way the person behind the TVA isn't a Loki variant? And we talked about this in the show previously. Mm. Have have you have you changed your mind the last couple of days? Our options seem to be Loki variant, Kevin Feige, 
<laughs> I think it's Kang a good theory. Or uh, a an other character that we haven't seen before. I'm really not Mobius. Yeah, I don't want it to be Mobius. Even though, you know, Mobius variant, I don't know. But no, I, I would prefer not. I would prefer a Loki variant because I just like the storytelling elegance of all the significant characters in the show beyond perhaps Mobius and Renslayer being Lokis. It just amuses me and seems appropriate. I think I'm leaning towards Kang. I, I want to like, I've loved hanging around with all these different Loki variants and I think it would be elegant. But I think for me, that would be kind of, like I said early on, a bit similar to WandaVision where it's... It's Wonder all along, it's rather than Agatha and this being Loki all along. And I do, I'm quite excited about Kang. I think they could introduce him here. And I think that would be a, an exciting end to the show to bring in this bigger sort of threat. If, especially if this is going to have as big an impact on the rest of Phase 4 and the rest of the MCU as we think. If it is sort of dismantling that sacred timeline and setting up the, the multiverse, um, it would be, again, quite neat for everything going forward to, to tie that into Kang, if Kang is going to be a big part of that overall mm. kind of arcing plot as well. If you're not a comics reader, right, and this show gets to episode six and they suddenly introduce this dude called Kang, do you not, are you not a bit like, what? What? Why? No, shut up. It depends. They've got like an hour or so to play with him to do kind of good stuff with him. That's sort of half a film's worth of, of time. I mean... Yeah, maybe if he turns up in the first five minutes. It just seems like oddly timed to me, but but mm. sure, let's see. At Aaron Power 17 asks, do you think that out of the three MCU shows we've seen so far, Loki is clearly the closest to a movie that we've had? Soundtrack's huge, the ambition of its universe, the tone. I said Diplodocus is outside my flat right now. The consistent, his workmen, I'm going to have to plow on. The consistent excellence of pretty much every other character so far. It balances drama, comedy, action, effects, and so on brilliantly. I'm not sure that's actually from Aaron Power. It might be from a Tom Hiddleston variant, but that's take the question anyway. <laughs> I love it. It's my favourite of the three. I, I don't think, I mean, it genuinely feels like a really good TV show to me rather than a movie, but that is not meant in a disparaging way or really even particularly to argue with the question, but it's definitely my favourite out of the three. I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. It has that sort of Mandalorian hybrid thing for me where it's it does feel slightly different to traditional TV, especially in terms of uh, production value and the scope of the story that it's telling and the fact that it is obviously tying into the wider MCU in exactly the same way that a Marvel film would do. But I, I don't think I would look at this and think it is playing like a film because it's very clearly episodic. But it does stand out, I think, even among the other two uh, MCU shows so far. Obviously, Wonder Vision lent into the TV-ness of it all. That was so much part of the text of the show. Um, and I think we all kind of felt that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier maybe had some really great blockbuster action sequences, but overall, the kind of consistent production quality it well it, it wasn't consistent there were points where it felt really expensive and there were points where it kind of didn't whereas this one i think feels more kind of consistently film level production values especially even chris was saying some of the slightly wobbly compositing stuff like one of my bugbears with thor ragnarok is that there's a lot of quite dodgy compositing in that or kind of moments where i feel pulled out of it because i feel like the characters are in kind of green screeny environments so i think it honestly feels on a par with many of the films in terms of the the scope and the production values but i don't think it plays like a film i think they've done a good job of making it feel like a series and giving you a little cliffhanger every week coming up with six parts of a story and that everyone's gonna end with like "Ooh, 
Come back next week for more. What's interesting about these shows, uh, and that's include obviously falls in this as well, even though we're more down on that, I guess, uh, is that they don't have to conform anymore. Neither does Mandalorian, neither, neither does anything else that's coming out on Disney Plus uh, or Netflix or, or, or Amazon, any of these places. They don't have to conform anymore to this five-act structure that TV shows have, uh, yeah, that most TV shows have when they're hitting network TV, particularly in the States, where you have so many commercial breaks per hour yeah. and you have to build up to a big revelation or a cliffhanger commercial break. Big revelation, cliffhanger, act two, act three, and so on. They don't have to do that. And so I think it means that, yes, whilst the, the show overall is obviously a TV show and ends in a cliffhanger, I think each episode can be treated as a mini movie in its mm-hmm. own right. And it's actually why I've been a little, little disappointed that each episode's been getting shorter. Because we started off with these big, long, luxurious wallows in this universe. Like the first one was nearly an hour long. And uh, I would quite like one one of these days when uh, when someone who works in the show or when an actor comes out and goes, we really saw this as a six hour movie that they actually mean it. And we get six hours of material <laughs> rather than whatever we get just under five. Uh, anywho, we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to race through a couple of last questions at RightStuff76, who last sent me a DM in February asking, was Agatha the big bad of WandaVision? Uh, he's at it again. He, he's asked, is Miss Minutes the big bad of the series? I, I look forward to a DM about Fira Farmiga in Hawkeye in three months' time. And yes, is the answer. What, what if it's Miss Minutes, but she's not animated? What if it's an actual clock, a living clock? <gasps> Photo the real. With him out of Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> Cogsworth, Cogsworth, you, you bastard. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, to quote Withnell, even a stop clock tells the right time twice a day. That's probably the wrong quote. Anyway, but oh, yes, Miss Minutes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think so, but I'd, it'd be fun. So I'm here for it if it happens. I'm assuming whoever is in that castle created Miss Minutes as part of this whole construct. I'm still not convinced by how real the whole TVA is. That's the other thing. I, I don't just want to know who's behind this. I want to know where and when the environment of the TVA that we've seen exists, how it exists, um, whether it is real or whether it is um in a slightly meta sense a couple of hallways and a couple of offices and then some kind of big projection behind that the people within that system think they're part of a huge thing and actually it's really small i have so many questions about that that i I really want to know as well as just who is the space lizard behind it all indeed right just two last ones uh at cantonaz ghost why did a bowling alley have a top hatch because you needed to get out in the roof and fix the aircon. I don't know. For all those alley. bowling alley lock-ins that people have. Yeah. Why did it have like a big tree in the middle? Like it had a whole lot of weird shit going on. I think it's fine. It's an apocalyptic thing. You, yeah, you have a, you it's have, fine. You have, you know, if I had an apocalyptic lair for the nuclear bombs and stuff, I would have a bowling alley in it. Absolutely. With a top hatch. You need a top hatch. You need a top hatch. Uh, and we couldn't finish a listener question special without question or questions from Fal Shopaholic. Uh, so she asks, was there a point to boastful Loki? Was he even a Loki variant? Uh, yes. Yes, he was. But he was there. I think he was there just a, you know, just to a, a, a brand new character is always fun. I don't mm-hmm. think he has a comic book counterpart. And he was obviously there to lead President Loki and his men to the bowling alley with the top hatch. Mm. And he was, it was fun to have a more kind of Thor-like Loki. I thought I thought that was just a, just a good visual gag. 
Yeah, I wanted more from Boastful Loki mm. in this episode. That is an element of this episode that I think the show didn't quite deliver on because of all the people that we met um, in that kind of closing sting of episode four, obviously other than Alligator Loki, the sure. one that I had the most questions and thoughts about was Boastful Loki because I also thought, oh, is this not a Loki variant? Is this a Thor variant or something kind of because he's holding a hammer and the way that he's dressed and all these sort of things. But I had loads of questions about that guy and thought it was a really interesting unexpected variants on Loki just the way that he carries himself and the fact that he's holding a hammer which may or may not be some kind of Mjolnir situation um, and I feel like we didn't really get much from him in this episode and I'm aware that obviously Alligator Loki stole the show you got Richard E. Grant you got to do some great stuff with Richard E. Grant uh, and Kid Loki is probably going to be a big deal going forwards but I would have liked a bit more boastful Loki in this episode to kind of know how and why this variant exists and, and what his whole deal is hmm. yeah I also I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed Kid Loki but I don't think he made quite the impact I was yeah. hoping for so if they do go back to that iteration of the character and if they do go back to that actor Jack Veal then hopefully they can get more of a chance to show what they're about because it felt like a very different version of the character from the uh, Young Avengers comic books anywho very very quick real quick another one from Al, uh, Foul Shopaholic do frost giants feel cold is Sylvie also a frost giant uh, why do they need blankets this is, these are all very very good points <laughs> I mean, the, the bigger question just about cold, sorry, is that Loki has survived in the void of space, as has Thor, of course, which is absolute cold. So what, they're supposed to be worried about a little breeze? I mean, none of this is consistent, but we're just going to let them away with it anyway. <laughs> it was all flirting. The, no, neither of them were cold. They were just They were shivering for another other. reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And have we ever seen Loki shapeshift into an inanimate object before? Because classic Loki says he kind of changed to some debris. Uh, this is interesting. This means that everything in the TVA, including filing cabinets, could be a Loki variant. And I suspect that the big bad of the show, when they get to the castle in the stars, here's my new theory, the big bad of the show is the pen from Renslayer's <gasps> office, who is actually a Loki variant. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You heard it what? here first, folks. And on that, on that slightly batty dark dark corners of reddit conspiracy theory nonsense and it is time to bring this very very special bonus episode of the loki spoiler specials to an end thank you of course to hunter b travis ben travis goodbye it's goodbye to loki words helen o'hara to low low key words low key words oh that's very good yeah. to the to the loki is that your new thing what or was that accidental you said instead of said to the loo you went to the loki Oh no! I was it was I'm saying it was low key words. Oh, low I see. Oh, I got you. I got you. Oh, but too low key. Yeah. I'll, I'll totally take. No, no, yes, I don't I like that at all. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Toodle lucky. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. 